Hi folks, thanks for tuning into the Finance Hour. The topic of this week's show is from bean counter to tech entrepreneur and beyond. Breck Schwartz has had an interesting and varied career. He started life as a chartered accountant at the old Arthur Anderson. But Brett was not your average accountant looking at past year's figures. He developed a real taste for advising businesses on how to grow and thrive, a skill which would help him in his later career. Not long after, he started a high-tech firm with his father-in-law. We discussed the challenges and ultimate success of listing the company on the Australian Stock Exchange and how the company continues to grow post-Brett's involvement. After that, his career pivoted to helping companies turn around their operations. Having been in business for a long time, we discuss changes that have occurred and try to answer the real question, are things getting harder or are we just getting older? In Ruben's rant, I talk about Chris Bowen's statement that he will accept all of the Royal Commission findings before even reading the report. Thanks for tuning in. Hi folks, welcome to the Finance Hour. Whether you're listening live on Jair or on our podcast, this is the show where we help make sense of the world of business and finance and hopefully help you make better decisions. My name's Ruben Zelwa. I've been doing this show for a while. It's actually coming up to two years now. We have got 60 episodes, so you can listen to any of the first ones, although don't listen to the really early ones because they're probably no good. But uh, there are plenty on there. You can search the Finance Hour on iTunes. Go to the website adaptwealth.com.au or go to the JS site where they've got all sorts of podcasts. Okay, well, today uh, we have Brett Schwartz uh, on the show. Uh, Brett is going to talk about his story from chartered accounting accountant to tech startup uh, to consultant. Uh, he's had a long and interesting career and we're looking forward to a good chat with Brett. Uh, but before we do, it is time for Ruben's Rant. Ruben's Rant. Now, my rant of the week this week is, believe it or not, about the Royal Commission. We've finally got a date when it's coming out, Monday at 4.10pm. It's going to be a really interesting read. But my rant is about the shadow treasurer, Chris Bowen, who is likely to become our new treasurer very soon, and his comments on the Royal Commission, which said, whatever the report says, we are definitely going to implement. Now, it, it just shows you what a political football this has become. How you can say you're going to implement things that you don't actually know what they are is beyond me. Um, but it just shows you how political this whole process has become, that uh, Labor feel like they'll get a significant free kick by, you know, by saying they're going to adopt everything, even though it really is illogical. Hopefully some sense will prevail. Hopefully the recommendations in it are going to be ones that we all uh, agree is going to help the system work better. But if some of them are not, and if they're not workable, then really the government should be looking at it closely and deciding what they take uh, to change legislation and what they don't. Okay, we're going to have a very quick break and then I'll introduce Brett Schwartz. Hi, welcome back to the Finance Hour. Today we are speaking with Brett Schwartz, Brett is the uh, director and principal consultant of Rainbow Enterprises. He's had a long and uh, varied career, and we're gr- happy to have him on the show. G'day, Brett. G'day, Ruben. Thanks for having me. No worries. Do you want to just move a little bit close to the Certainly. microphone? Yep. Yeah, that's better. Though. That, that's clear. Okay, I think I can take my headphones off now. <laughs> Brett, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, 
I said you've had an interesting career. Uh, the start of it, uh, it looks like you were an accountant. And oh, so typically what I ask people is, is, you know, what did they study at university and did it have anything to do with their job? But if you're an accountant, I'm, t- I'm tipping you did study that at university. There's a good chance, yeah. I did a commerce degree at University of Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, and I think I always knew that I was going to do something in business. Yeah. Um, I think I told my grandmother, uh, my late grandmother, when I was 13 years old, that I was always going to be an accountant. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed doing that at school. Yeah. Did a commerce degree in accounting and marketing. Yeah. Uh, and business law. And, uh, yeah, then went out into the big wide world and, uh, started in the chartered accounting profession. Yeah, so your first job was was, was as a chartered accountant? Yeah, started with Arthur Anderson, the, the yeah. late Arthur Anderson, yeah. but at the time that was when we had the big six. Yeah, uh, that was right. 91, yeah. uh, and it was an amazing organisation to start with. It was yeah. big and you know couldn't have learned any better. I was lucky yeah. that I was dealing with smaller to medium-sized enterprises. Yeah, so you weren't dealing with Enron? <laughs> uh, no, I, I left actually before the yeah. uh, shredding course. Is that that's is that what that's what brought it undone? Was that's it Enron what brought it all undone. Yeah, or was it a whole lot of other? Cases no, it was pretty much Enron yeah. over in the US that did it, yeah. which was just so sad because he was the number one accounting firm yeah. in the world, and nearly overnight it disappeared. And so all the um all the branches of Arthur Anderson were somehow connected. Yeah, obviously, because a lot of the time now. The different accounting firms, they're, they're sort of standalone, but they share the name. But yeah, in those well, days... Well, I think maybe people learnt through that experience. Yeah. There was obviously Anderson Consulting, which became Accenture and yeah. is obviously still around. But the Arthur Anderson brand is, yeah. is gone. Yeah, yeah, and well... partners and people are all around the, but, <laughs> the, the the industry. But yeah, but it was obviously a good, certainly a good environment. Oh, a, amazing. And again, I was there before the Enron yeah. uh, disaster, but mm. uh, and it was an amazing organisation to be part of. Yeah, um, yeah. Great training and everything, so yeah. you speak highly. I always think accounting is like a pretty good uh, basis for, for doing other stuff. I mean, I... I studied accounting at university i started working at kpmg but i left after sort of a year and a half but even during that and even during that time though i reckon i got a you know pretty good understanding of you get financial statements and tax and that definitely helped me it's an amazing profession because you get exposed not only to the traditional financial accounting but i was lucky that pretty much half of my time in the profession of my eight and a half years Mm. i was doing consulting work i was doing a business plan i was doing a project management for the brand the re-identification of telecom australia to telstra yeah now that just kept teaching me about the real wild world you know and and what was not just doing the number crunch that's right yeah because that can be the issue i suppose you end up in a firm and all you're doing is looking backwards 12 months and you're looking backwards you know not even at the end of the 12 months probably another yeah Six months later, yeah. So you're looking back eighteen months. Yeah, no, I was, um, I was, I was very lucky that I was looking forward and doing some uh, pretty exciting things. Yeah. So, time. so then um, you qualified. Obviously, you were there for a number of years, and then you left uh, and went got into a, a technology business. Yeah, I um, threw myself when at the age of thirty. Um, I'd been offered partnership in the firm that I was with, uh, yeah. which was um, Gaddy Metz and Khan GMK oh, Partners, okay. which okay. are part I of the okay. community. Yep. And uh, yeah, so I got headhunted by GMK. Um, yeah. They were looking for people out of the big six firms, yeah. and I was able to go to them and head up their account, uh, their audit and consulting division. Yeah, and uh, work for them for another four years. Yeah, uh, and was offered partnership.
entrepreneurship and yeah. decided I had too much entrepreneurial blood running through my veins yeah, and yeah. realized I didn't want to be a partner in the profession. It was yeah. nothing against the firm. I actually yeah. stayed using the firm uh, ever since. Yeah. Uh, and now they're part of Deloitte. Yeah. Uh, but realized I wanted to go out into the yeah. real wide world and, and yeah. try try my own thing, which I did. Yeah. Um, so I took on a consulting CFO role to help with that transition. Mm. But then, yeah, in 1991, I approached my father-in-law, who was an academic at RMIT. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he was a 60-year-old risk-adverse conservative scientist mm. engineer. I was a 30-year-old uh, risk-taking entrepreneur yeah. uh, with a financial commercial background and said, why don't we do something? And mm. thankfully, we did, and it mm. worked out. So Yeah. So that was a tech uh, a tech. Business well, started as a technology yeah. consultancy, yeah. Yeah. and then thankfully we actually. So you were consulting to other to companies. We on yeah, we were we uh, actually consulted to a UK public company. So yeah. my father-in-law Ron actually relocated to Cambridge in the UK. Oh, right. Uh, I held the fort here and started fostering some opportunities that we had. Yeah. We filed some patents. We yeah. were looking at some funding opportunities and grant programs, mm. and so again, it was all playing upon some of the skills that I'd learned in my eight and a half years in in accounting. Yeah. Uh, and showed me that there is a big opportunity. Yeah, and what was it like being in business with your father-in-law? It worked, and thankfully yeah. he's still my father-in-law. Well, well it probably worked a bit because <laughs> he moved over to the UK. Uh, <laughs> that might no, have helped. <laughs> no, it's, uh, but no, it was fine. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, it sometimes is difficult to mix, you know, family and yeah. uh, work and yeah. friends and work. But uh, you but know, in the end, generally speaking, it worked really generally well. Generally speaking, most importantly, still my father-in-law. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so you actually um, listed that company on the stock exchange. We did. So it took yeah. it took a long time, and it yeah. wasn't the, the plan was never to necessarily list. It yeah. was to you know. Know, create a viable business. Yeah, uh, the listing was a was a funding opportunity. Yeah, it wasn't it an get, exit strategy. Yeah, it to get money into the. Um, into but the- it took a number of years. So we actually formed the company in two thousand and one. Yeah, started at really two thousand and three when I was able to get um, Ron back from the UK. Yeah, and we raised our first funding in two thousand and eight. Right, we did the IPO in two thousand eleven. So you can yeah. see that. It does take time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but yeah. in that time, we had to build up the team. We had to build yeah. up the patents. We had yeah. to build up the contract manufacturing. Yeah. And that was because you want you needed to get some more money on board, and that was the yeah in order that to was fund the best way to do it. I learned as yeah. a as a novice, uh, you know, engineer tech person yeah. that it does cost a lot of money. It does take time. Yeah. It's not as simple as you put a design in a machine and yeah. you push a button and it comes yeah. out the other end. Do you think it's different now? It's much more. Do you think it's easier to raise money without going to you know listing on a stock exchange because that because that obviously creates a whole lot of other compliance reporting all that stuff it seems now like yeah i don't know people are able to maybe raise money in private uh market easier yes yeah Yeah. it is but i don't think it necessarily was any different you know the Mm. period that we went through was uh you know we didn't we did actually we were originally planned to do an ipo in 2009 and then Mm. the gfc hit and yeah. we knew we had to batten down the hatches and yeah. do what needed to be done. Yeah. Um, you've got to know your avenues for whether yeah. it's private equity, the investment yeah. funds, yeah. government funding. Yeah. yeah. And we did. You know, yeah. And we were a pre-revenue tech company in Australia, yeah. which yeah. at that time we were a, a rarity. Um, yeah. Now there's a bit more around, and you know there are obviously mm. some Israeli companies that have come here and doing yeah. some great things. Yeah. But we raised over the course of time 16 million in equity, which yeah. is a lot of money for an Australian yeah. company. Before yeah. we raised, before we actually made any sales. Yeah. Wow. Um, and five million in government grants, and wow. without those grants from the government, you 
know, we wouldn't have been able to survive. So yeah. there are programs. Yeah, you so do you're saying to, even if you're sort of trying to get money, like there's still a lot of hoops to jump through. There and, are many hoops. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, the, Regardless of which way you try and raise yeah, money. But you've got to yeah. do th- things in parallel Yeah, because you can't be guaranteed that you're going to raise yeah. your money privately yeah. through government or other. What do you think of those sort of now like online fintech kind of raising money like Kickstarter? And, uh, I mean, they're pretty – I mean – yeah, there's smaller amounts of money, but they are. Um, oh, there are some bigger ones that have are, yeah. amazingly got yeah. off the ground that you kind of yeah. uh, can be flabbergasted about, yeah. but they do it. And yeah. uh, again, I think a lot of it is about luck, about timing. Mm. It mm. is about your pitch and your story. Yeah. Uh, you know, we did the VC rounds over in, in the US, we did the mm. VC rounds here. Um, thankfully, the private investor community was where we raised the bulk of our funds in the mm. earlier days. Mm. Uh, and that was through family, friends and associates. And again, mm. my accounting profession helped with that. Mm. Uh, being part of the, the community helped with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. You've, just got to, you've just got to have a lot of persistence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's hard yakka. So what... Um so what was the sort of predicts for, for exiting that, that business? What um... uh, So one of the joys of being a public company is you are in the, the eye of, of the market. Yeah. And um, we had a share price that everyone could watch you know, yeah. every single day and every single yeah. minute. Yeah. Uh, and we'd successfully raised more capital. The share price was holding. But then at the end of 2013, the share price had a bit of pressure put on yeah. it. Uh, the the board did a, a diligent review and decided that they were going to change tact. Yeah. Uh, and the first bit of the change of tact was unfortunately um, moving moving me on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and again, I saw it. Listen, I, w- I was just one small cog in in the big organisation. Yeah. And you can't. You got to put your pride aside. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end um, of the day, as you say, once you go public like that, you, you know. That's you part raise money, and but, you, but you lose control. You do. You do. That's just the way. It, yeah, that's just the yeah. way it pans and, out. And literally, since when Ron and I started, it was obviously just he and I. Yeah. The moment we raised our first funding, we knew that there were many other stakeholders, yeah, exactly, exactly. and it was a lot larger than yeah, he and, and it's I. Yeah, and um, it's a trade-off that you make. But as you say, if you're in a technology business where yes. you need to raise money, I yeah. mean, yeah. what are you going to do? I mean, yeah. there's only so many times you can mortgage yeah. your own and, house. And, and, and times of the essence. And we, we literally yeah. did everything and we had to do everything personally um, yeah. Yeah. and put you know put our money where our put mouth was. Online. He yeah. was I trying yeah. to raise money from people. and Yeah. yeah. Wow, okay. And is that company, uh, is that still going? That is still going. Yeah. Uh, it's got a market cap of around $35 million. Nice. Um, they're finally hitting their straps and yeah. they've got commercial product. And yeah. again, I learned... Uh, that things take two or yeah. three times the time the that time it actually takes about, to yeah. develop yeah. and finally get some traction on the commercial front. So yeah. um, it is still around and they've got sales. Um, they are still listed yeah. and hopefully yeah. one day it'll be one of Australia's uh, great success stories. Yeah, and I it, can, it, yeah. I can you, say I was, you know, I've always, I was a founder. That, that's always going to be the case. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, there's sort of, as you say, you know, a lot of these sort of tech companies before they start making profit, I mean, there's not mm-hmm. Australia that would say don't have such a, you know, strong history of that. Yeah. You know, often people True. are going over to the States and NASDAQ yep. or yep. in Israel. Uh, mm. You know, are, are there many other sort of, you know, startups like that around, or, is it, or do you, what do you think is the general environment for those sort of startups? I think it's better now than it was when when we started back in the nineties. Yeah, uh, there's a better community. I think the the startup community has developed. The angel investor community is more yeah. formal. Yeah. Uh, the VCs, they're still around and there mm. are funds out there. Yeah. The grant programs are still there. Mm. Uh, the view on Australian companies, um, tech companies, uh, is better yeah. because I yeah. think we've actually finally hit some hit some straps. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. I mean, 
looking at a lot of the super funds now as well, yes. like the big super funds, yep. they're investing quite a lot in private they equity. Are, they are. And they've got huge sums of money coming in. Yes. And they want to get exposure outside of just you know yeah. listed stocks. Yeah, and so was, I imagine there's there's a massive pool of money mm. coming through the superannuation environment. Oh, there, there is, and obviously that's taken time, a yeah. long time. You know, we would have loved to have been able to approach yeah. them directly yeah. or indirectly. I don't th- well, I don't think at the time, you know, the, yeah, the super fund whole yeah. have just grown exponentially. Agreed. You know, what I mean, so I don't know, ten years ago it yeah. would have been. I don't know half the size of what it is now. Correct. They, made, they probably weren't even investing like that. Yeah, yeah correct. So yeah. it's it's got to have an impact and it's a positive mm. impact. Yeah. Uh, so is it easier today for people? I don't think it's any easier, no. but I think there are more options. Yeah. Um, there are funds out there. You've just yeah. got to have the right product, the right yeah. service, yeah. and not be smoke and mirrors as a, a lot of companies were back in yeah. the earlier day. Yeah, and um, certainly during the tech boom, you know, people were just kind of yeah. raising money off the small yeah. of the Now, we, we weren't there as part of the tech boom yeah. time. Yeah, um, you were well after that. We were after that, yeah. and and again, we were a hard product. We weren't software-based, which, yeah. again, I think if you had to proportionalise things, probably two-thirds of tech businesses today are software. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, SaaS-based businesses. Yeah, absolutely. We were a hard product. We were a yeah. tracking technology yeah. chip and yeah. a reader. Yeah. And uh, that was that was harder for people to yeah. kind of yeah. understand and fathom. Yeah. But um, but yeah. it exposed me to to the tech industry, development yeah. industry, and our application was in healthcare. And I love the biotech, life yeah. sciences, healthcare market. The reason yeah. people are working there, it's it's superb. Yeah. Okay. So then, uh, what did you do after you left there? Uh, I've done some consulting work. I've done two great uh, jobs that ended up being turnaround jobs where I went mm. into some existing businesses that yeah. have been well well established around for many years. Yeah, were they uh, sort of family-owned businesses? They, these two, just coincidentally, yeah. I don't think it's, you yeah. know, I've become an expert in, specific, in going yeah. into family, but they were two family businesses yeah. and had gone through a change. Mm. Um, in both cases, just happened to be that the, the father had re- retired, yeah. the two sons had been involved in yeah. the business, uh, in one case, the two the two brothers decided to split the business. In the other, most recent case, uh, there was a, a not a, a nice separation between the brothers. Yeah, so it was family. Stuff. Yeah, so that, that must be a tricky um, a tricky thing to come into. Very tricky because you know, I mean, coming into well, I, I guess it's too, firstly coming into a business to try and turn it around. Yeah. yeah. Is difficult because people, you know, they're bringing them in because they're problems, mm-hmm. That's <laughs> and right. there's always going to be relationship issues regardless of whether yep. it's family yep. or not. Yep. Yep. But then if you add family on top of that, yeah, it I must was, be I, really challenging. Yeah, I, I was definitely challenging because you know there there was something very well established. Mm. I think I was lucky in both circumstances that the the family involvement. We weren't talking about you know ten or twenty family members. Yeah. We were talking of a handful. Yeah, and they were there and they engaged me because yeah. I was independent. Yeah, and I was coming at it from a different angle. I didn't yeah. have expertise in those particular industries. Yeah, one was in furniture. Yeah, and one was in flooring. Yeah, uh, totally different. But I came in with a, yeah. a common sense approach, yeah. a commercial background. Yeah. I was financially literate, which they mm. both needed, yeah. and was able to help from an operational perspective and financial perspective turn mm. these mm. businesses around. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, yeah. I suppose that's part of the key thing that every that, that the family as a whole decided they wanted to bring. It, it definitely helps. I'm not being brought in by the bankers, is, or, or not being brought in by just you know one person sort of twisting their arm. That's right. The other one. Yep. Yep. Um, to do it so 
Yeah, so it was a flooring business, you said, and the floor was the... Uh, the first furniture. one was furniture. So yeah, uh, yeah. it was um, Rambler International, uh, yeah. which we all grew up with, uh, in, in a, you know, outdoor furniture from, from Rambler. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But Rambler's matured dramatically and now is an international business selling oh, wow. to Marriott, Starwood and Westfield. Really? Um, so that's hotel room furniture, yeah. conference mm. furniture, chairs and tables, mm, mm. and uh, public seating. So for Westfield, mm. they're shopping malls yeah. in the US. US and Europe and stuff like that. Wow! So good, good business. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> great absolutely. business, and and helped grow it and helped. And, and and what was the like specific challenge? Yeah, obviously, in, you know, obviously there was a generational change. There was a generational um, change. What else was like a? I, I think it was more both businesses, and again, a common theme in both of them was they where they'd come from. They were lacking systems and processes, mm. so they didn't have the visibility of really how the business was truly operating. Yeah, Not only yeah. from a profitability perspective that. <laughs> that was also very important. Mm. And so we create a lot of good reporting there. But operationally, when you're managing you know, large projects and have to yeah. deliver by a certain time. So we created a lot of uh, healthy reporting mm. uh, and tried to use the system better. Uh, and yeah. it just needed that, I think, a clean set of eyes to come in. Yeah, well, we actually had on the uh, show before uh, a guy by the name of Mitch Tomazic Spanger. I think I've got his name yeah. right. I can't remember what the name of the company is. Yep. Um, but it was it was about business intelligence. Yes. Yeah. I software. listened to yeah, that. Yeah, that yeah. Was... Which was um, which was really interesting. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know because say in businesses you can create all sorts of reports yep. and a lot of them just don't get used. True. But now the you know having systems that talk to other systems and yeah. extract things that are important for decision making. Yeah. Yeah. We've got much better important. tools available. Yeah. And and that was one of the things that I brought in because they didn't have that internal expertise. Yeah. And and if I didn't have the expertise, you know, I was I was bringing in the IT experts, yeah. all the software platform experts yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, so. Apart from, um, as, as you say, you know, bringing those issues in, ha the family sort of, uh, you know, generational change. Yeah. What sort of challenges specific to that? And that how did that you... wasn't too difficult. Again, I yeah. think I had a, a good rapport from day one with, yeah. with both the owners that were yeah. running the business and we knew where their skill sets were. And they yeah. actually both were two of the best salespeople I've ever seen before. Yeah. But they weren't operational. They weren't financial. So I needed to p understand that. Yeah. Uh, the, the biggest challenge was, and and this is what I found when I had Blue Chip, uh, the the tech business, and these two businesses is people and the mm. team. Uh, the first business had fifteen people, but the last one, the flooring place, had seventy. Mm. And very interesting dynamics when you've got people yeah. in warehouse to purchasing yeah. to financial to yeah. client uh, yeah. client services, customer support. Yeah. Very different, and you literally had to treat each one slightly separately, but also mm. look at the overarching yeah. um, culture of the place. Yeah. And that so in, was so in big the second challenge. one, you said that the, the they ended up splitting the business. Uh, the the first one was the the furniture business Ramler was yeah. was separating the business and, and that was done quite cleanly oh so you, sep you separated and each brother took a each uh, that's right yeah so one brother went and did major events which mm. was the olympic games and, and and other furniture uh requirements for for big events like that mm. whereas the rambler international that i worked for uh, that was the the furniture for Marriott, Starwood, Westfield, and and the like. I see. Whereas the other business, the flooring, which was tiles, timber, and laminate, 
again, you know, generic product per se, but mm. this was a very significant business, multi-millions of dollars, mm. 70 people, as I said, um, predominantly Victoria, but also in some, some operations in New South Wales and Queensland. Mm. So, you know, had to factor those things in, yeah. practicalities. Uh, but uh, the, rather than the family being the issue, it was, again, dealing with the, the senior management team, mm. the teams underneath that. Yeah. Uh, and in that case, that had gone through a tremendously turbulent period. So mm. I walked in the door, didn't really know what I was getting myself into. No. And uh, that, that was a big challenge. Yeah. Big yeah. challenge. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, that's the thing, you know, you, um, it's so difficult when you take any sort of job or go into any business. Mm. You know, you only sort of see the surface of it before you go. That's right. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm actually <laughs> amazed, you know, I've got you know, friends who are in the corporate world and stuff and, and the number of interviews and the like that they go through you know to get a job is like it just seems insane like they have like six or seven yeah interviews and it seems like they go over the same stuff over and over yes. and over again i guess they've got to be careful you've got to be diligent yeah. And, yeah. and you know we definitely did it for some of the senior management positions we were putting yeah. in you've yeah. you put it through a rigorous process and was there a lot of sort of staff changing over that time? There was. And again, that wasn't necessarily meant to be part of my brief. But yeah. when I got in there it and we saw what needed to be it. done, and yeah. because I was the new kid on the block, it was actually yeah. slightly easier for me to make some changes mm. uh, when we had to terminate people. But there yeah. were blatant, uh, you know, some things that were going on that shouldn't have been yeah. going on. Yeah, that's right. And we yeah. need to move these people on. And, yeah. and that took time. It took six to nine months to yeah. cleanse it. Yeah, uh, but it totally changed the whole culture in the place. Yeah. When I went there, everyone was walking on eggshells. Yeah, uh, different departments wouldn't deal with each other. Yeah, uh, everyone was kind of hiding in their little area. Yeah, whereas by the time I left there, there was a really good camaraderie. We had social events. Fantastic, uh, and the, and it was a place that people yeah. wanted to work for. We yeah. actually had people starting to come back to the organisation, which is wow. always a good sign. So, so each of those um, sort of roles were they like a couple of years each, or so the first one started off as a six month. Uh, yeah. consulting agreement yeah. then, then got extended another 12 months yeah. uh, the most recent one with uh, Heinz the flooring business that was a six month contract uh, and after five months they said we like you so much we'd like you to come on board Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so I became a permanent employee there yeah. for another 18 months yeah. so I was there yeah. for, for, for two years yeah. and um, positively did what you know I was meant to do I actually did the did the turnaround yeah. uh, and, and got them back on their feet yeah. they were losing money they were in financial distress yeah. uh, we turned that around and it was just through a process and it wasn't all my work I yeah. helped coordinate it but we yeah. had a great team and yeah. we Change that team, but we yeah. got it right. Yeah, and um, well, you can't so you can't change a business like that. One person, not not no. over. And this was a significant. Yeah. This was you know yeah. called like the Titanic trying yeah. to trying to move it. So it sounds like some pretty good um, experience. And now you've just you've gone into more back into that sort of consulting. At, at the moment, you yeah. know, I'm looking at opportunities, and yeah. again, I think there are some interesting dynamics in the marketplace. Yeah. There's, a, there's kind of a, a new trend, uh, and, and a, in one sense, I'm benefiting from it. I've got a current consulting client yeah. that is looking at engaging me permanently for mm. two days a week yeah. as a CFO plus. Yeah, yeah. And they can't afford full time at the moment. But yeah. they want to be able to tap into someone like me, have a bit of flexibility. So yeah. there are some operations around that are like two-day executive yeah. uh, businesses that I think it's actually working. So you yeah. know, at my ripe old age of 48 going yeah. on 49, yeah. I can offer that to businesses. So that's yeah. one model. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, there's this sort of massive um, shift of outsourcing. Yes. And obviously that often starts at the kind of 
administration type level so yeah. that you know if you can't use technology you outsource the admin stuff but yeah. then it's it's also creeping up into the higher end it is sort of workforce as well isn't it which yeah. is I suppose it's good and it's bad. I mean, it, it, it gives the companies more flexibility, but yeah. it just means, you know, people may have, you know, less, in, you know, there might be less sort of full-time employment opportunities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I don't, I, but there is a trend and it mm. is moving that way. And, you know, as I'm getting older, uh, but I've got a lot of experience to give. And mm. in one sense, it keeps you on your toes. Mm. Uh, there's, is there security? There's no more security in that model if I got two of those types of positions mm. and did some advisory work. Uh, hopefully, I picked up my first uh, coaching mentoring yeah. role, yeah. and and I love. I really want to do that because I, yeah. you know, I want to give. I want to give back, and I want to yeah. help people that were yeah. like I was 10, 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah, uh, and that coaching and mentoring is that sort of on a personal level, or, or yes. To- was it people who are business owners or? Uh, well, it, it's business related. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't want, I'm not a life coach. No. I'm not an accredited life coach. No. But I am a dad. <laughs> I'm, yeah. a fa- I'm, I'm a husband of 25 years. I'm yeah. a dad of four kids. So, yeah. you know, my, my first uh, customer client is, you know, they're expecting and he's trying to work out how am I going to balance yeah. my day job with, you know, my family now. Yeah. And so I can give him some words of wisdom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess it's in any of those sort of personal relationships. Relationships, it yeah. sort of, um, it sort of, you know, varies a bit. It and melds spo- into it a bit. Sorry, it yeah, melds yeah, into well, it. You a can't bit. completely avoid it. I know in my job, I, you know, it, it, it's it's a big part of it. There's often a discussion about, you know, should that be the main role of a financial plan to help people with their life goals oh, and wow. objectives? Okay, uh, there are some that you know are really. Yeah, moving towards that and the conversations that they have with people is all based around that. All right. Yeah, as opposed to based around, yeah, you know, their super or their investments yep. and the like because, you know, I suppose, um, yeah, a lot of things in the world now are getting commoditized. You know, people can find mm. specific investments or they can find, you know, they can find things online yeah. or they can they can do things themselves, yep. but, but it's really there's someone who's going to, bring it all together for them yeah, yeah. which is where the real the real skill is but it's that personal touch i think yeah also. the personal touch and uh, yeah and the, yeah, the person that really understands their entire situation mm. um mm. so yeah i suppose understanding you know business person not just what their business is but a bit broader than that yeah, yeah so when i suppose different people are different some people as you say want to go into that more and want that more holistic thing other people will just want to yeah i suppose keep it um keep it you know purely business oriented but you do see now quite a bit of like i have come across um you know quite a few sort of uh consultants that are cloud cfos i think that's actually correct yes yeah that is no it's definitely a trend and again it's a way of trying to say how can i outsource this function rather than having an accountant and you know an accounts payable person the payroll person yeah how can i do this smarter and for some businesses it is absolutely the right thing to do Uh, for you know whether big or small, you've just got to try and work out what the needs are. So mm. there is, there is a need for that, and there is a growth of that, and a number yeah. of uh, small people, small organisations offering those services. Mm. Uh, and I'm aware of it, and it's kind of like okay, when I go into a new place, is that what they need, or do mm. they need you know how, how do you go about this? Is it internal, yeah. external? Yeah. And what about sort of I mean juggling the different you know, if you're doing one sort of two days a week one place and another mm. day a week somewhere is it is it hard to get your mind in and out of different sort of 
I think you get businesses, or I, I think that's a life skill. Yeah. Um, I think I learned that in my accounting days. Yeah. That was one of my frustrations. In yeah. one sense, you know, I'd be dealing with, yeah. I'd have ten clients on the yeah. go at any one time. Yeah. But maybe that was a good skill that I learned. Yeah. Uh, I think being a, a parent, you mm. you learn these management skills and yeah. project management skills yeah. and time prioritization. Yeah. So yes, trying to trying to have competing interests. Uh, yeah. you, you've just got to manage people's expectations. Yeah. yeah. And is um, yeah, you've been obviously around sort of business for a while. It sounds mm. like it's, you sounds like you, you haven't really been in small business. You've been more in medium type size businesses, or uh, like the first run fifteen staff. I suppose you would consider that small. Yeah, but. yeah. Listen, look, most of the businesses that I've been in have you know, people have said, Brett, where's your sweet spot? Yeah. And I think the sweet spot's probably up to you know forty to fifty million dollars, yeah. where it's it's easy enough that you can actually get in there and 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 have a real impact. Yeah. Uh, but you know, yes, there are clients. I haven't got any clients at the moment, but you know, let's say if someone was a hundred million dollars or two hundred yeah. million dollars, but it's easier in a smaller business. Yeah. Um, yeah. Small to medium sized business to actually yeah. have an impact. I think that's yeah. what it's all about. So, having been around businesses for a while, I mean, have you seen any sort of big, any sort of big major trends that you could say is really different now? Is either I don't things that are easier now or things that are, are much harder now that they than they were. I mean, often we. You know, we get mm. older and we say, oh, you know, things, things are getting day. harder yeah. or this or that. Or, you know, it was a lot easier then. But you're not sure whether it's just, you know, your age and experience wearing you out yeah. or whether it's, you know, fundamental changes. Can you think of... It's a good... Yeah, well, yeah. I think I've got one, probably one positive, one negative. Yeah. Uh, the, the positive would be I think we've got more tools available to us that make it easier yeah. to you know be doing your accounting yeah. quicker so yeah. people can be doing yeah. value added work yeah. Uh, yeah and you know yes we've got cloud based you know yeah. zero yeah. and, and yeah. myb and stuff yeah. like that uh so that that's a positive and it's also cheaper potentially it, it's a lot yeah. cheaper and it's you know it's on your mobile it's yeah. on your tablet wherever you yeah. are whereas yeah. in the old days you'd have to call up and then they'd have to fax it to you yeah and yeah you can do it really quickly now yeah. so you can be making decisions wherever you are yeah. whether you're in the same suburb mm. or internationally which you mm. know again with blue chip i was dealing internationally very mm. regularly the harder thing, and obviously this is more in, you know, I don't want to say in your domain, is the regulatory side of mm, things. It's mm. harder, and it's you know you've got more, more work, more compliance, mm. more ticking and bashing that needs to be mm, done, mm. which makes things harder for mm. depending on which team you're talking about. You know your accounting team on yeah. on the reporting requirements, and it so takes why do you, up more why time. Why do you think that we've, as a I don't know, as a government or as a country, moved that way more? Because I, I definitely see it a lot, but but what? Mm. Why have we moved that way? Sometimes I think, you know, we're moving towards a nanny state where, yep. you know, people don't take responsibility for the decisions that they've made or, you know, is it a good thing? Like, like is it protecting consumers more or? Again, I think yes and no. Mm. <laughs> I think, um, unfortunately, people have uh, tested the system and mm. we're all paying for it because people have pushed the boundaries. Mm. Uh, was it any different in the 60s and the 70s and, and, and the 80s? Uh, yeah. Maybe people... Uh, don't know what they did then but mm. people definitely push the system but I think people are trying mm. to push it even more so now mm. so mm. we have controls we have regulation because of that and mm. so we are paying for that mm. but at the end of the day what does that mean it means that we've got hopefully people that are more compliant mm. and That's right. uh, you know the reporting information yeah. is more readily available and people know way to tick I've got to mm. get my best mm. statement in by the 28th of next month or else mm. so I can't be a little bit laissez-faire and yeah. I'll, I'll just get it done whenever I need to get it done Yeah. so there are some positives yeah. but 
And do you think, uh, you know, one of the interesting things is, is, you know, on one hand, you know, small business versus large business, yeah. right? On one hand, you can say small business can be a lot more agile. Can You can start a lot quicker than you were in the past. You can mm. buy different technologies that get you on equal footing quicker, right? Yes. So on one hand, yes. you could say that, you know, small business has got a real sort of, has got an advantage. Mm. On the other hand, in some industries, you know, which are getting low margins and the like, yeah, you know, yeah. there's a lot of competition. The big businesses can kill the small businesses. I mean, from a yeah. from a business size point of view, you know, do you reckon for small businesses it's gotten easier or harder or or, or both? Oh, <laughs> uh, it's a good question. Um, it really, I think the circumstances, you know, mm. depends on yeah. depends on the industry, depends yeah. on the stage of your business. Yeah. It, it's it's hard whichever way it goes. Yeah. I don't think. I think if you spoke to the owner, the CEO, the financial controller of a five-person business mm. they will say similar things than the 5,000-person business it's yeah. it's yeah. hard but yes uh have you got the ability to yeah. maybe move a bit more yeah. quicker uh, strategically yes. as a bigger business possibly yeah but um again then you've got a bigger business will be slower to move strategically well well i was what i was going to say was then you've got a board to answer right. to and you can't just kind of say okay well we're going to change our tact you know right this day or this yeah. week we've yeah. got to go through a number of hoops so yeah. it, it really depends on the circumstances yeah. how do you think you know you obviously had some experience with a with a public company and yeah. a board and the like yes uh, how do you think um that whole process functions does have you generally seen it functioning well or have you seen you know problems with it or oh, i think it functions well i think there are some people in in the industry in the public company sphere that may not necessarily have the experience mm. and so they struggle on that but again mm. uh you know we had a, a an external uh company secretary so rather mm. than me worrying about the the laws of the asx and, and asic yeah. we were able to outsource that so yeah, that made yeah. it i don't want to say a bit easier yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. but so a lot of it is just about experience and being able to cope. And you've got your junior board members yeah. and you've got your well-experienced board right. members. And you, have you, um, in any of those other businesses that you've been in, have they had mm. boards as well or uh, family businesses? No, really no. Right? And maybe that was one of the circumstances. Yeah. In in the most recent business, we had established a, an external advisory yeah. board panel. Yeah. Uh, which was the accountant, uh, the yeah. external consultant, business consultant, yeah. Yeah. so that there was at least a bit of a sounding yeah. board. And it wasn't a formal sort of board as such. It was more... Oh, we actually set it up and had a charter and yeah. everything, yeah. And, and that was good. We were trying to follow best practice, yeah. uh, and I think that's very important. Yeah. Uh, and that probably is a, an issue with family businesses that you kind of keep it internally. Mm. Uh, you've, got to, you've got to almost view yourself, I'm a public company, I'm a reporting entity, what do I need to do yeah. without overkill? Yeah. But it's got to be in the best interest of the mm. owner and the family. Yeah. Uh, and having some independence, I think that's extremely important. Mm. You've got to have people that actually can challenge you yes. as an owner Absolutely. or a CEO. And, kind and do you of, think it also helps when, uh, you know, when you've got different you know, partners in the business, you know, different you know, equity partners? You know, uh, and, it can, but also yeah. it can become distracting because yeah. different people have different um, outlooks on life and, mm. and needs. And they mm. might be like, well, listen, I thought you were going to do this. And yeah. the other one was, you know, they step back and, and don't really worry about it. And others, yeah. then when you have competing interests. Mm. So that's very important when setting up a business that you yeah. try and align all the, the shareholders and yeah. the stakeholders. Well, it's interesting. You know, I think sometimes, and I had this bit of experience with my 
business partner, which we sort of split sort of eight years ago or so, sure. that when we actually brought um, a sort of consultant or coach on uh, board, it actually brings to light the differences. Yes. Do you mean which you kind of might bury over time, sort of forget about, yeah. but it actually, you know, can actually be the, the catalyst. Yep you know for things and thankfully you yeah. realized it before it you know yeah. got even yeah well it was, it was difficult but yeah. it wasn't it didn't you know um yeah. it didn't it didn't cripple, cripple me yeah. but so um, having an independent set of eyes yeah come and look it, at, it, it, do, it does bring it, it brings those issues to the fore it does which as you said it probably should have been and one of the things that we sometimes that i sometimes advise people is uh on uh, you know key person insurance, yes, like so you know or, or buy Very sell important. insurance. So what happens if one of the partner dies, or yep. how does the other one buy them out, or what even happens Very if important. if you know one of the partners decides to leave? How do you work out a buyout price mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. sort of thing? Mm-hmm. And it's always it's I've generally found it quite difficult because um, you know once a business is in play, there are different yeah. issues going on between partners. There's different thoughts about who's contributing what. There's Correct. different thoughts about what the business should be valued at. Yep. It's it really um it, you know you think you come in I remember initial one did I thought oh this is easy I'll just come in you know they'll agree we'll buy or sell you know insurance and that's it but it's the earlier you can do that yeah. the better it is but but uh, it's a timing thing because you do it too early and people are like oh I don't want to spend the money on it agreed. Like, the business doesn't have any value I agree. and then you come in yeah. too late and then you know you're it, dealing with it's even harder <laughs> yeah yeah no 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 very very true so yeah. it's something you've got to you got to keep on talking about I think one yeah. of the one of the things in today's day and age which you'd obviously be dealing with your some of your clients as well is about risk management yeah and whether it is the insurances or the yeah. you know estate planning or you know if someone yeah. dies can the family members take over exactly right you've actually got to think about those things you yeah. may not initiate it on day one yeah but you do have to start talking yeah. about it yeah and, so that, and that's our point isn't having good sort of communication yeah yeah that, that's probably where where a lot of businesses fall down well again i think yeah. that's one of the things that i've learned and why hopefully people have been attracted to me is that i've yeah. come from you know good good stock good background yeah. Yeah. independent uh and can go into an existing business and, yeah. and assess it yeah uh, I, I'm not aligned. I'm not like yeah. you know friends with the owner, and I'm going to yep. come and uh, you know I'm going to buddy up with certain people. I think I can go with a yep. real commercial head. Yeah. Um, well, businesses obviously fall down sometimes for relationship purposes, but also mm. I mean sometimes certain industries just become non-viable. Don't agreed. They? Agreed. Like, have you come across sort of those situations where you you might do an assessment and say, listen, you know. Your best option is to shut the doors. Yeah, th- thank- <laughs> thankfully not. Yeah. Uh, with different clients that I've been involved in uh, mm. after I left, uh, you know, the accounting profession. As I said, mm. I was with a manufacturing textile business, yeah. but this was when manufacturing was only just starting to go abroad. Yeah. So we bought this business and actually sold it a few years after I left there. Mm. They they sold it successfully. Mm. Uh, and the two businesses that I've been involved in, I think what Ramler did well was they realised, you know, it wasn't just outdoor furniture and stuff to do. They actually yeah. Wait a tick. We've got a swing tact yeah. very quickly, yeah. and they moved into conference furniture, hotel room furniture, yeah. and public seating, and are doing very well. Yeah, um, flooring and tiles. Everyone needs flooring and tiles. Yeah. These guys are, are selling to the the high residential home builders mm. like the Henleys mm. and the Burbanks and the boutiques mm. of the world. Uh, but you've got to know what's happening now. Thankfully, again, there are the, there's been a, a construction boom, mm. and this business has benefited yep. from that. And yep. obviously, low interest rates and every all that's helping. Yep. 
Uh, thankfully, I haven't gone into a place where it's literally, guys, you need mm. to shut your doors. Yeah. But do you think it's, um, like, is it really important for businesses to look to the future and see what's going to change, what dynamics are going to uh, change? Absolutely. And deal with it early on? You you mm. will be zoomed past by, you know, yeah. the, 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 the nimble, um, mm. new, whatever it is, what, and with, yeah. you know, whether you're a software-based business or a hard product business. Mm. Uh, and that's one of the things, that, again, I think I brought to, you know, the, the last two organisations. Mm. I brought a strategic thinking mm. and we did look at you know the clients and who should we be promoting ourselves to now and mm. getting that pipeline at looking out one or two mm. years and looking yeah. at new products new yeah. services don't just rest on your laurels because yeah. you will be taken over do you, you think people can ever jump to different things too quickly like do you see oh. organizations that people will just jump from one thing to the next to the next to the next mistakes are, <laughs> are definitely made and yeah. again is that because they just didn't think quick enough they didn't yeah. seek the right advice yeah. they didn't think it all the way through yeah. of course it happens yeah. there are some success stories where people have done it and it's been the best thing for their business yeah, uh, yeah. so but yeah I think that's why you've got to rely upon your internal staff yeah. Yeah. but you've also got to rely upon your external yeah. advisors sure whether you've got good people to kind of that's um, one of the most critical things and it's interesting because, um, you know, whether – and those people may not necessarily be in your industry itself. Uh, agreed. You know, sometimes it might be better because at the end of the day, most businesses have got pretty common they themes. They do. You know, people you – know, either, either a product or a service. Yeah. The way you market it, the yeah. way you deliver it. I, I, I think one of the things that I've learnt myself is that you know here was I as a generalist accountant. I didn't have mm. an industry expertise, yeah. which a lot of people are acquiring these days. Yeah. You know, you're an agri business yeah. expert or textile in expert. Mm. I was a generalist. I went into a healthcare technology business. Mm. I then moved to a furniture business yeah. and then moved to a flooring business. Yeah. But the common theme was common sense, business, commerciality, yeah. operations. Yeah. Uh, I learned a lot more about finishings on furniture and I learned mm. about, you know, edging of, of tiles yeah. and yeah. eight millimeter versus 12 millimeter, yeah. you know, timber or laminate. Yeah. But I didn't have to be a subject matter expert. Yeah. Uh, so it does help, I think, actually being a generalist. Mm. Um, some, but then sometimes you need to bring in the expert. That's right. <laughs> it's, but sometimes for outside perspective, it, it definitely helps. Yeah. All right, well, we're coming towards the end, but I think uh, you know, you've had experience, obviously, in going to you know, a number of different businesses, uh, mm -hmm. family-owned businesses and the like. And I mean, often people, a lot of our listeners will be employees or they might be thinking about moving jobs. Mm -hmm. And as we've discussed, the challenges of, uh, you know, of doing so. So I guess uh, what I'd like to ask you is your three top tips yep. uh, when entering someone else's business uh, with the objective of having a real impact. Yep. Well, I think one of the benefits, uh, Ruben, is that you um, pre-warn pre <laughs> us. So I have come prepared. Um, my three is, I think the first and most important thing is actually winning the trust of the people. Yeah. Uh, you're going into something that's been around, whether it's for five, 10 or 50 years. Yeah. And so the best way to do that is you're the outsider. You know, people might view you, you're going to come in and you're going to turn this place upside down. Mm. Depending on the circumstances, you've got to pick your timing. Yeah. You've got to win the trust of these people. So you've actually got to get to know them. And yeah. it's both professionally and personally. And again, as you said, there's a, there's a line. But you actually do need to know them. You need, need to understand, you know, do they have a family or what sports do they like doing? Why they need to knock off on a Thursday mm -hmm. night because they're going off to basketball. Yeah. But then you actually need to understand their job. 
and you spend time with them. It's not like, okay, you're the CFO, this is what you do. You actually need to spend time. And that just builds trust. Then all of a sudden they see where you're coming from. So uh, I, I summarise that in, in winning trust and getting to know yeah. your people. Yeah. And obviously that's in, in, any, in any size business. Uh, the, the second important thing I think is you need, to, and every business will differ, but you've got to understand the systems that are in existence in the business, but make changes and um, and 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 valid changes that that are going to help the business. Not all of a sudden we've got a daily report that all of a sudden is cumbersome to prepare and it's taking up half a person's job. Mm. But what I have found is that in both both organisations that I've done this consulting work to help their businesses. It helped me understand the business, but even more importantly, it helped the owner and the and the, every member of the team understand the drivers, the cogs. Mm. What's really driving this? What's holding that project up? Yep. Oh, it's because we didn't send a pre-alert message yep. that you know something needed to be done. Yeah. So systems, and again, that you know that comes to whether it's a financial flash report that you do every week, mm. that you sit down with the owner for fifteen minutes and say, okay, listen, this is where we stand. You don't have to wait to the end of the month. Don't have surprises. Um, so again, I'm an accountant, so I'm very systems orientated, yep. uh, but I think that's critical. And um, the third thing when, when going into someone else's business, I think, is uh, looking at their systems and processes. Again, family businesses, and it's not necessarily only family businesses, but a lot of them don't have formalized systems and processes. Mm. And what I've done successfully in both is documenting them. And they yes, it can seem a little bit anally retentive, mm. but... In the end, by having it documented, that helped with training. That helped with an induction program when someone was starting. That actually helped say, wait a tick, why was there? Why did we deviate? Why was the margin on this? Wait a tick, you didn't, well, yeah. you didn't follow the process. Mm. Uh, and rather than it being forced down someone, once they actually see the benefit of it, you've you've got them one over. Yeah. And uh, so systems and processes was was really another key one. Excellent. All right, Brett. Well, look, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, it sounds like an interesting journey, but it's uh, there's still plenty more to <laughs> more to come. Plenty more to come. Uh, if people want to sort of reach out to you, where can they uh, where can they find you? Uh, I'm literally firing up the website as we speak. Yeah, uh, I've got a, a mobile, uh, which I'm not sure if I can give over the air. Yeah. Um, oh four one nine three six seven five nine zero, and right. uh, you'll you'll find me. Just uh, look me up on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. LinkedIn's, LinkedIn's the best way. The best I love place. LinkedIn. Just search Brett Schwartz. <laughs> Okay, thanks very much for tuning in, everybody. Uh, We will be back with you again next week.